Welcome to Me and Mary Jane with your host, Patricia A. Patton. Welcome, everyone, to the Me and Mary Jane podcast. Today, we have a special guest. Um, Her name is Dr. Janice Knox. You may not know who she is, but by the time we get into this conversation, you'll have a feel for it. I don't think it's necessary for me to tell you where she went to school or this or that. You'll be looking that up by the time we finish engaging in this conversation. She's one of my North Stars in this industry, uh, besides being hilarious, uh, <laughs> it's true. Besides being hilarious, you and your family, the Knox Docs, are pioneers in this industry. And um, like I said, if people don't know who you are, they're gonna learn. So welcome to me and Mary Jane. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to for you to have accepted, really. Um, so I, I'm going to start. I mean, I'm going to start in a place that um, we've had conversations about this, uh, the broader topic of wellness, you know. And really, you help me understand in terms of the work that I feel I'm qualified to do, how mm-hmm. this fits in. It's not just cannabis. It's really about wellness. But I think that the problem that I struggled with is that wellness from a sort of a a cultural understanding means mindfulness, means yoga, things that a lot of people don't necessarily identify with. So Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about what wellness should or could mean or does mean, but maybe in communities, we don't talk about it in that way. That's correct. That's correct. Well, let me start off by introducing myself. I'm Dr. Janice Knox. I am one of four of the Knox doctors. That includes my husband and two daughters. We're all physicians, MD physicians. So we're conventional medicine doctors from different disciplines. My husband was a 40 years plus emergency room physician. My oldest daughter, family practice in integrative medicine. My youngest daughter, preventative medicine. And myself, 35 years as a board certified anesthesiologist. So we're conventional medicine doctors trained in the conventional medicine way. We do have the American cannabinoid clinics that we see patients in for cannabis therapy. And we also um, have an education program where we strive to educate all healthcare providers, regardless of the initials behind their names. Now to get to the question asked, you know, what, what is wellness? I think for me understanding as a clinician and as a consumer, We've all been conditioned to be sick. We're conditioned to think as we get older, we're going to get these disease processes and to expect them and to live with them. Well, because of cannabis, we've learned something entirely different. And it's not about cannabis. Let me say that and stress that. It's not about cannabis. What it is about is your body. 
that physiology that keeps you breathing, eating, working, running, laughing, crying, what physiology is behind that? So tell me- And that is what cannabis led us to. Okay, tell me when you refer to the physiology, what are you actually referring to? Because the light bulb came on for me having heard you say that three or four times in different settings. And I was like, oh, so what is the physiology of, of the problem? <laughs> Thank you for asking that question. And I would have gotten back to that. But that physiology is something that is hardwired into all of us that even we clinicians did not learn about in medical school. And it's fascinating because this physiology, and I'll go into more details in a moment, is responsible for our being conceived, born, our health, and our continued health and longevity. It is responsible for maintaining every system in your body from your mental health to your cardiac, your neuro, your GI tract, reproductive, all those things are managed by this very special physiology, which makes the foundation of everything. And it's called the endocannabinoid system. And I know those are big words, but what it is, it's a system that controls and maintain harmony and balance between all the physiological systems. There is not a system in your body that it doesn't control. A lot of us talk about our diabetes. Well, that's an endocrine problem. Guess what controls or influence that endocrine problem, that endocannabinoid system? Maybe you have arthritis, inflammation of the system. Guess what controls or influences that? Again, that endocannabinoid system. If you have cancer, guess what system is controlling again? That, that physiology that, that moves you back and forth between wellness and if it's dysfunctional, then you get sickness. This is called the endocannabinoid system. And now we know, according to research, that we need to look at a bigger picture where that endocannabinoid system is only a part of the bigger picture. So now we can talk about even um, mood disorders or psychiatric disorders, in addition to GI tract disorders. So this physiology become imperative for understanding what it means to be healthy, what it means to be well, because that system is trying to keep us there. That system is designed to keep us healthy and well. So, we get in the system's way. Okay. so. You are an endocannabinologist. Correct. And could you refer to this system that you just described as an endocannabinoid ohm or something like that? <laughs> well, let's talk about some of these terms. An endocannabinologist is that person who studies the function and dysfunction of the endocannabinoid system and thus the bigger picture, the endocannabinoid ohm. Mm. Remember the ohm is uh, the larger supercharged signaling system that fine tunes everything in the body. The ECS or the endocannabinoid system is a smaller part. It happens to be what researchers identified first right? And as research goes on, we're learning more and more about that endocannabinoid system, but also the other things that interact with that system. It's not working in isolation. It's working along with other systems in the body. And those other systems make up the larger 
what we call endocannabinoid ohm. Endocannabinology is the study of the function and dysfunction of that system. And endocannabinologists are the people who study that endocannabinology to better understand health and wellness. So, okay, because uh, I just got something that I hadn't gotten before. The larger system that the endocannabinoid, the, the, e, the ECB is a part of, it's part of a larger system inside. Correct the human body. So are, is the larger system as just a system of networks talking to each other or are they organs that? <laughs> These are networks talking to each other. Every organ, every tissue, every cell in your body has part of these systems working on. And the receptors are there. They're making what we call the endo, the body cannabinoids, those cannabinoid-like substances that work on these receptors that mimic the cannabinoids. Remember, these receptors and these endo made in the body cannabinoids are named after the cannabinoids that were used to find them, to discover them. I see. So, but there, there are neural transmitters that the body make that actually trigger these various receptors. And yes, the ECS is a part of that bigger system with things interacting, working and talking to each other to maintain that balance. It's sort of simplistic to think or to have ever thought that the ECS or the endocannabinoid system was working in isolation. Of course not. Well, no, now that you say that, I'm going to <laughs> that makes perfect sense to me that no, how could it be, you know, Working that's right. That's right. Alone. You know, I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense that it would be alone if your brain is up here and, you know, yes, 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 you'd be talking to each other. So, all right. Uh, I, I knew I could never follow a script with you um, because you fire off other things in my thinking. So, um, based on what you just said about the system being the ECS, the endocannabinoid system being a part of a larger system, then I want to um, try to draw a relationship, understanding then between that and the plant world, the phytocannabinoid okay. system. You know, okay. why, for example, we now know that this plant can be helpful in um, mediating, treating, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. from what I can read, 700 possible conditions, you know. Or more, or more. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay, so let's talk about that. Once again, once you understand the physiology, then you, be, you can apply the pharmacology or the science behind the cannabis plant. Now, they use a synthetic synthetic made in the laboratory cannabinoid after um, THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, to find this receptor system. So we know that synthetic worked on the receptors. We know that the endocannabinoids that the body makes on the receptors. And we know that the phytocannabinoids, THC, or the cannabinoids from cannabis work on those receptors. How do we know that? Because they use THC to find the receptors in the first place. And then now it just so happens that THC, Delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol, mimics one of our own body's endocannabinoids. It mimics a cannabinoid or endocannabinoid called anandamide or the bliss molecule. That's the one the body makes. I THC works exactly the same way 
on that receptor as our body's endocannabinoid. And when there is a dysfunction, in particular uh, deficiency, endocannabinoid system deficiency, which may mean a um, deficient amount of anandamide, if we don't have anandamide, but we have something that we can use that works on that receptor like THC, then it makes sense for us to supplement with that THC, just like you would do vitamin D3 if you had a vitamin D deficiency or calcium, if you had a calcium deficiency, you're gonna give calcium. If we have an anandamide, one of those endocannabinoid deficiencies, we can use THC to do the same job, to get us back on track to health. So these cannabinoids do things on this system that can move that system back towards being healthy so it can do the job it was designed to do. By the way, is number one, maintain balance or harmony between all the physiological systems. Number two, to repair any damage from external or internal results. And number three, to protect. That is the, the, the job of the endocannabinoid system to harmonize, repair, and protect. So I really feel that if regular people, and I don't mean, I mean, um, you know, the people we see every day who are not having these conversations, but if they understood that, if they mm -hmm. understood just what you said a moment ago about it not being any different from any other supplement that is used by the pharmacist to treat or do X, Y, and Z, I don't think people would, uh, I think people would rethink what they think they know already, you know, about um, how to address their own health. I certainly I have, you know? That's correct. I think because since the war on drugs in the 1930s, there's been such a pervasive, you know, brainwashing about you know drugs in general, cannabis, you, you name it, and and the fear, the fear that was stroked in and cultivated in us makes us very hesitant to think about anything that can put you in jail, that they say is dangerous, that leads to addiction problems. You know, people have those fears. You know, they still believe some of that stigma. Even within the healthcare community today, we were talking about it, my daughter and I, about what why physicians were so uh, reticent to get involved. Number one, they're taught from the beginning of medical school it, to be an arrogant uh, uh, to be arrogant about who they are as physicians, right? But they're human too. And they have gotten the same signals and messages as everybody else about what this plant is, you know? So we have to admit to ourselves that we may have been misled or conned. So we can now begin to try to at least listen to the other side of the story, right? The other side of the story of why cannabis was used so extensively in the early 1900s, why it was you know, ordered by government to, to be grown during you know, the early times of America, then all of a sudden became a big no-no. We need to ask those questions and we need to understand that history so we understand to move toward re-educating ourselves about natural remedies, which cannabis happens to be one of. Yes. So I want to ask one other question about, um, you know, that's related to this, because I don't know the answer, but I kind of think I do. <laughs> I, <laughs> I make myself laugh. But um, 
but it, it is from a conversation we had earlier because I was trying to understand how do you actually treat someone? If, if I come to you, for example, based on what you just said, if I come to you and I say I have diabetes, how do you approach me that is different from my regular doctor? Because I use myself as an example. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have had hypertension. And so I was prescribed something at one point in time. Nobody has ever looked at that again. Mm-hmm. I have the same medicine that I was on 20 years That's ago. That's right. That's and true. I, it occurs to me, why? Why? Yeah, why good. doesn't somebody, but there is nobody to approach mm-hmm. about that. So, you know, in this case, what you describe is a different, some, is a, there is another way is what you're saying. That's correct. That's correct. Well, I'm, I'm so glad you asked yourself that question. We need everybody to ask themselves th- those kinds of questions. So as an endocannabinologist, once again, that definition is the, fus- the, the, the individual who studies the function and dysfunction of the endocannabinoid system. So when a patient comes to me, the first thing I'm going to do is do that complete physical and history and physical that we all do on, on a general basis as clinicians. We need to understand what illnesses you have. We need to understand a little bit about your past medical history to understand how you got to this point. And believe me, no one got to that point overnight, but we need to understand what fed into this story because there's all sorts of things that will modulate or push that endocannabinoid system out of whack. Number one, genetics, mm-hmm. aging pharmaceuticals, nutrition, a biggie, and environmental stressors, you know, anything in the environment that stresses you out, all those things push the endocannabinoid system out of whack. And they could have started from early on. For example, one of my questions to a lot of patients, were you a C-section baby? If they have a GI problem, those babies do not go through the vaginal canal. Their GI tracts do not get populated with the right microbiome. So they end up with and later on in life, most times with some inflammatory bowel disease. Well, it's important for me to know whether they were a C-section baby or delivered naturally. So all that becomes important and that's pretty standard for us to do. What's different is that I'm then gonna look at your medical problems and look at them at a cellular and subcellular level is what in the world is the endocannabinoid system doing? Is it out of whack? And which direction is it out of whack? For example, people with cancer have endocannabinoid system excess. Those with fibromyalgia, migraine headaches, you know, inflammatory bowel disease has inflammatory uh, and have endocannabinoid system deficiencies. So it's important to understand what the dysfunction is. Then we can go in and look at what receptors are involved and what cannabinoids or other things, other sources, substances, or practices can we use to manipulate that endocannabinoid system back to where it can now do its job to um, maintain harmony, uh, repair, and protect. So I'm going to look at you as how can I fix your endocannabinoid system so maybe you don't have that blood pressure or that diabetes. So it's treating you at a at the cellular level or getting to the root cause instead of just covering up your symptoms with medications. That underlying process is still going on. You may not feel what's going on, but that underlying process is still going on. We need to stop the underlying process. But I, 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 I don't know. It's like, when I hear you say that, I feel like I've been duped. Like I... You know, I thought I had Cadillac, you know, health insurance when I had a nine to five job 
and someone saw me regularly and they were tracking this and that. But in truth, I feel that they were not really looking at my body. They were just looking at statistics. and Or your symptoms. Yes. And coming to some conclusion about who I was based on my age and my this and the that based on these numbers. But I mean, I can't remember the last time somebody actually examined me, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you have to, once again, I will restate, you know, physicians, clinicians, you know, even natural health, right? They're all taught to look at your symptoms and treat those symptoms. Even the integrative functional medicine people who are thinking more holistically uh, at the root cause, if they don't understand something about that very special signaling system called the endocannabinoid system, and then the bigger picture, the endocannabinoid ohm, then they're not really understanding how to get at the root cause. When we look at you as a person and what your disease process is, we will tell you, we're going to try to fix that endocannabinoid system so that you can get healthy, because that's the system's job to maintain your health. And if it's not functioning, it's not doing its job. So we need to get down deeper, a deeper dive and understand your disease process and say, okay, now I know this receptor is involved. I know I can use this to, 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 to help that receptor, decrease that receptor or increase that receptor or whatever it is I need to do. I know I have this in my toolbox to do this. So let's talk about alternative, which really shouldn't be all alternative. It should be what's usually traditional medicine. Let's see if some of those traditional medicines can be of service because we know where they work. By the way, the endocannabinoid system, understanding that physiology and the bigger picture in the cannabinoid own, which I really should be talking about, help us to understand why all medicines work, whether it's Chinese or Ayurvedic or um, Native American or conventional. It helps us to understand why, how, when, where, and what side effects are going to occur. If we understand the physiology, then we understand more about those things as well. Okay. So, so, you know, maybe it's been, it's been months since we had those initial conversations about how do you get that information to a broader public? Because I think that, that the broader public, that our expectations, we don't really expect to be treated Mm -hmm. well. I mean, the disparities that exist among um, communities, you know, among people who age, you know, or why, for example, two women, one black, one white has an expected shorter lifespan, you know, there are, there seem to be not that many places or refuge spots where people can actually learn something new. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's really like, what platform would allow this message to get to the masses or to get to people in communities who interact regularly with the masses? I mean, the work that you and your family and others like you are doing is important and it needs to be done and you guys have to talk to each other, et cetera. But that information needs to come over here so that we can operate for change, you know, that we can insist that our doctors do better, or we can make other choices about who we're going to seek out to 
to help us or the people that we love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, my first question that, and it's always going to be an answer for me or one of the answers, not the answer, but one of the answers is education. And we have to be ready for that education. We have to have our ears open and willing to hear, you know, to run because you hear the word marijuana or weed or cannabis is a mistake. And the one thing I, under, I, I would love folks to understand is that this really isn't about cannabis. It's about the greater ecosystem of who you are in the community you live in. It's about your economic health. It's about your social health. It's about your you know, environmental health. Are you living in a place that have safe water, safe food, safe residence? I mean, it's about all those things in addition to your physical health, right? When we talk to everyone, we need to re-educate them about that total picture. And your physical health is dependent on, on some of these other things. If you're not living in a safe environment, how can you be healthy? If you're living in a food desert, how can you be healthy? If you're living in a, a situation where socially you're terrified, how can you be healthy? So we need to get down into our communities and re-educate them about all these things their environment, their economics, their social, and their physical health, because that, that is truly what um, involves moving people back toward wellness. It's not addressing one thing, yes. but addressing everything. So I, I saw some research from Hartford Insurance, and I had, was looking at it, and it was really about resilience, you know, mm -hmm. and this is another one of those buzzwords that you know, is a part of the contemporary conversation about mm -hmm. wellness, you know, and that research said that stress in midlife stems from finances of the sample that they did. 53% of the people said that it was finance or expenses. 40% of the people said it was the health of themselves or someone else. And then 34% of the people said it was changes related to aging. Now, I personally have been guilty of seeing my doctor and talking about not being able to sleep, her asking me if I was stressing about something and, and me saying, who, me, what? Mm -hmm. Saying no, because I am accustomed to a certain amount of resistance in my life and I don't even recognize it That's as, correct. as stress, you know? Most so, people don't recognize it. Yeah. So, so no wonder we, we don't live as long as other people. You know? That's right. That's right. Well, COVID, I think COVID opened a lot of eyes to the conditions, uh, particularly uh, uh, the BIPOC population, right? You yes. know, the food deserts we live in and the stress that we're under financial, you know, environmental and all those stress, those, those different kinds of stressors, environmental stressors. I think it's, it opened our eyes and some of these buzzwords like resilience, or a couple of mine that I actually hate is diversity and inclusion. Those things speak to, again, in my mind, to subjugation. You know, you're subject to, whether it's your, your doctor and what they think is wrong with you, or politicians thinking what you should have or should be, or what you should act like. I mean, those things are keeping us from understanding more about ourselves. And what we need to understand about ourselves that we are human beings and we have every right to be healthy and to enjoy the bounties of this earth, just like anybody else. 
without feeling threatened, without being feeling persecuted or, or over prosecuted, right? In our case with marijuana, we're over prosecuted. You know, we need to feel comfortable about our children being able to go out and come home again safely without somebody knocking on your door or telling you something happened to your child. We have learned to accept those things as everyday life. Yeah. That's not everyday life. That is not a quality of life. And what I learned about studying cannabis and learning about the physiology and how that entourage effect of the plant really sort of equates to the entourage of life, which means everything has an effect. Everything is designed to work in coordination with each other, to work in collaboration. You know, people should work in collaboration instead of big me and little you, and big me makes all the rules for little you, and you can only do A, B, C, D, F, G, while I can do the rest of the story. Those are the things that we as a, as a, as a people, not just people of color, but everybody have come to accept and it's, it's, it's so norm that we don't, we don't recognize it when it hits us flat in the face until something very devastating happens. And that's what COVID exposed all the things we should have been talking about. We should have been talking about the food in our communities. We should have been talking about the lack of jobs and education or the pitfalls we have to do, go through to reach a certain what, a point of success. Usually that's riddled with, with potholes, right? We yeah. get there, but after we stepped yeah. in so many potholes trying yeah. to get there. Those are things we need to bring up front and talk about. And for me personally, the much of the enlightenment came with my understanding that physiology, that it's really a rhythm about life. It's a rhythm about the universe. And so in my mind, we need to start over and train our people to think differently, think differently about food, think differently about sleep, think differently about relationships, Think differently about how you interact in your community and support and help to grow your community. You know, we need to learn to think differently if we truly want to move back toward wellness. I absolutely agree with you. I would like to say thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, because I think that this segment of this conversation stands in and of itself on its own, you know, without even going, I mean, I have a thousand other questions about CBD, CBG, distillates, you know, mm -hmm. et cetera. But this is uh, a message I think that people can digest, you know, mm -hmm. and make a decision about how and if they want to um, change. I mean, for me, it's all about making a different decision about how I want to live my life, you know, for whatever quality year, of life. Art. Yes. You know, and so each of us has to make that decision, you know, about well, what am I going to do to make this life better for me? Mm -hmm. I want it to be healthier. I want it. It's not enough to be longer. It has to be. No, it's not. Healthier, you know, it's not. And, you know, and it's a blessing to live long. It's a blessing to live a long time. I mean, it's such a blessing. But I think as I get older, I don't mind, but I want to feel as good as I can. I want to look as good as I can. I want to enjoy as much as I can. And you can't do that if you're 
burdened with 20 different drugs that keep you sedated and keep you from moving, keep you from enjoying life, keep you from enjoying your family and your friends. You can't do that. You can't do that if you're not eating the right foods and getting the sleep that you need. You can't do that. So the message I would hope people would take from this conversation is that they're ready to learn more. They're ready to be in control of their lives. They're ready to know whatever it takes to make me healthy. That is what I need to do. I need people to think that way. Listen to your body, you know, do a little bit of introspection. What would you like going forward? Do you want to be in control? Do you want to be healthy? Do you want to smile genuinely because you feel good and say with, with true sincerity, I am so grateful that I see another day. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you for joining us today. Pass the word, share the love, like, subscribe, tell a friend. Can't wait to talk to you again on the next episode. Thank you.